you're like so gay. Hello, all you sexual deviants. And sexual deviant wannabes. What's up? I'm Aaron. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. Nice I to re- meet you. I just realized that we haven't introduced ourselves in like any intro of any episode since like the intro. Really? I don't think so. So if this is your first time listening to us, <laughs> welcome to Queering the Air. <laughs> yeah, this is Matt's voice. Mm-hmm. Aaron, this is what not is your Matt's voice? <laughs> Are you okay? So um, no. No. Yeah, no. 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 I knew it before. I mean, I like, like, yes, I am fine. If you're listening, I appreciate your concern for my safety. But I, I am actually fine. I'm just very stressed, and uh, I've got finals going on. So that's it. That's the kind of not fine I am. But I'm actually just fine. How are you? Are you, you fine? Know when someone asks you if you're fine, and you have to say that you're fine, but you're not fine. <laughs> that was a Katy Perry video reference. What even? Like, I see that on Twitter a lot, but, like, what was that even from? I have no idea. I'll insert the, the sound bit right here. They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine. When you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. What's new with you? Um, I just, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, you okay? <laughs> no, just overwhelmed with life, but we're fine. It's just... One foot in front of the other, but I hope everyone okay. listening had a fantastic uh, holiday. Yeah, true. Yeah. Forgot saying that Happy Thanksgiving is... is like a loaded statement. I guess it's it's. I don't really want to unpack the the complexities of saying Happy Thanksgiving right now. So I just hope everyone had a great time off of work. Hopefully, you saw family or you zoomed with them or something and ate some good food. Yes, I hope everybody had a safe time off. And I'll leave it at that. Period. <laughs> well, speaking of... Actually, I don't really know how to segue this. I was going to try to do like a... Speaking of holidays or like causes to celebrate or whatever, but I don't think those really... <laughs> I don't think Something that works. we do want to talk about this episode, even though we don't want to talk about Thanksgiving, is... <laughs> There we go. That was a much better segue. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> With what? Just from like YouTube and stuff? The internet, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this episode is coming out on World AIDS Day. Woohoo. So if you're listening to this and you still make AIDS jokes, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, also fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate World AIDS Day... Um, we decided to have one of Aaron's very good friends on who was in a production of The Inheritance, which Aaron has mentioned a number of times because it was incredibly moving for him, and I'm super excited to read it. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed I'm not going to get to see it, but um, Aaron, since you've yes. seen it, do you want to give a little bit, I know we talked about it a bit in the episode, but do you want to just give people kind of a a little bit of a rundown on what the inheritance is and why we chose to have Carson on for World AIDS Day. Yeah. Um, the Inheritance is a Broadway show that came out of London and 
I mean, don't take my word for it that it was amazing. It was nominated for 11 Tonys this year, which is, like, fucking ridiculous. But also, like, so so well-deserved. But, yeah, it's a Broadway show. It's seven hours long, and it centers on a a few different overlapping generations of of queer and gay men in New York um, throughout the AIDS crisis and afterwards. So, yeah, it was a very, like heavy experience but very very incredible the show was absolutely unbelievable um and it just kind of caused me to take a look in the mirror and kind of think a little bit more critically about my place in the queer community and you know my sexuality and everything and just kind of like my place in society and yeah it was it was a heavy experience but it was really really beautiful um and Carson will talk on it better than I will. But yeah, I would say go watch it, but it's not on Broadway anymore because the world is shut down. But, yeah. but it is a book that you can read. It The play is an adaptation of Howard's End, which is a novel. Cool. Yeah, but Carson is incredibly talented and incredibly bright and uh, has just a very giant heart and uh, is such a, such a gem of a human being. So Yeah, oh my god, he was such a sweetheart in this episode. Thank you to Carson for gracing us with your time and your brain and your experiences. Um, yeah. He still has some YouTube videos online, I think, if people want to go to I'm just kidding. I, I don't actually know. Um, but <laughs> he's going to so bad. Yeah, he's going to be like, fuck you, Aaron. But that's how I met Carson, was <laughs> at a VidCon um, through our friend Jack, who is also amazing. So, love that. Oh yeah, I feel like did we I feel like we kind of just like jumped right into conversation. I forget. I don't think we did like how we know or how you know Carson mm-hmm. when we were chatting, but well, if you search his username, <laughs> my video with him is the first one that comes up from 5 and a half years ago. <laughs> oh my god, I know what I'm doing right after this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wild. Do you know if he, I mean, I guess I should have asked him when he was on, but does he, oh no, we did ask him about this actually, because you did ask him about like movies and stuff. All right, I'll leave that for the episode, um, for like what he wants to do next and stuff, because I forgot he does talk about that, but, um, Mm. yeah. Let's just say from what I know about him, he could kind of do whatever he wants. Like, I think if he wanted, I think if he wanted to do TV, he could like absolutely crush it in television. Like, I don't doubt it. So, so cool. That's kind of why I asked. I was like, ooh, would you? Because uh-huh. I, think, I think he's had opportunities in the past, from what I know, and not taken them. And been like, I want to do other things, which is, like, fucking mm. incredible. But his story to tell, yeah. not mine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, happy World AIDS Day. Watch Pose on Netflix. Yeah, you, definitely watch haven't. Pose. It'll give you a much. It'll give you a much better uh, taste and it just like an idea of what the world went through versus like us talking about it. So yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you want to do? Any tweets? Oh my god, duh! I do have some gay tweets of the week. Let me let me just pull those up real quick. You have thirty seconds. This one absolutely shook me to my core. It was, (laughs) 
My whole concept of history has been shattered ever since I saw someone say Rosa Parks died in 2005, meaning she could have watched Shrek. I hate that. I hate that so much. Oh my god. What? The one of Sue. I'm going to create a meatball that is so spicy. <laughs> so stupid. I have seen so many of those memes and I I love every single one of them. I think they're so funny. <laughs> or <laughs> Charles Dickens in 1843. I'm going to create a Tim that is so tiny. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, let's get into the episode. This. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. I need to stop saying that. This is the wrong platform. Guys, I'm so excited to be a part of this. Yay! Thanks for inviting me. Psyched to have you. So excited that you're here. Also, I how dare you start the pot the interview? That is our <laughs> job. We are the hostesses. Listen, I'm taking over. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It's not his first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You can take over for me. <laughs> you can take over for me. I've got finals in five Great, years, yeah. so it's I'll start doing you. like character work. I'll I'll just pretend I'm you. Perfect. Perfect. You can probably do it better than me. Um, so who are you? I'm Carson uh, Macaulay. I, uh, what do I, do I She's give a, a fun fact? Do I give, I'm a star. I don't know about Wow, star, just let but, us know um, you don't listen to our podcast a, a little bit. I think clearer. he does. <laughs> I totally do. I texted Aaron the day it came out. He did. He's a real... So you should know what to do then. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Carson, where where do you live? What do you do for a living? What's the story? What's your story? Who are you? Where do you come from? What's the Tinder bio? What's the Hinge bio? Oh, wow. Are you on Raya? I I am on Raya, although, wow, do I regret it. It's like a... It is sort of... It's an industry dating app. Yeah. Like entertainment industry became, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it started off being like really exclusive, which felt weird. And then now it's like, for, for me, I'm like, yeah. Losers only, in my opinion, Raya. And I'm one of them. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. But I, Raya You pay don't. for it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I've never had a, yeah. I've never had a substantial conversation on it. <laughs> Is it expensive? Yeah. No, but it doesn't, but it's seem, it doesn't seem like a, a worthy investment. Okay, regardless, we're gonna. <laughs> sorry, jetting back to Carson. <laughs> this is not a Raya promo. I mean, it was quite the opposite. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, living in Brooklyn, New York, where I've been for the past couple years. Um, I'm an actor in New York. Um, I'm 24. I'm a cancer. I. What other fun facts? I'm six foot tall, six feet tall. If that's important to you, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You're from San Diego, and now you live in New York. 
I am, yes. I'm from San Diego, um, grew up there, and then went to Pittsburgh, where I went to school at Carnegie Mellon for four mm-hmm. years, and then moved straight to this apartment that I live in now from graduating in 2018. Matt, do you remember when you met Carson at a Tufts party once? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, our sophomore year? Yeah. Must have been, yeah. And that was crazy because it was parties, multiple parties. I mean, I don't know if we were together. Wait, Matt, yes, I totally like, do, actually. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Sean. That was, there. it was like, yeah, because it, it was so crazy for me that time because it was like, I went to this acting conservatory where it was like we had this like little tiny bubble where we like never left sort of our like ensemble and stuff. And I remember going to Tufts where you guys went to school and seeing that like a regular weekend, I don't think there was anything special going on. And it was like, there were so many events happening. <laughs> I was baffled i was like this is college this is what college is about <laughs> well let's not get it twisted tufts is not a party school <laughs> that was like fun. when it was fun though fun. that was yeah before hell broke loose what did you didn't you come for like um like a semi-formal or I think some we like crashed. actual like legitimate party we weekend? crashed like saraband screw or something but i, I have I, no idea not only what it was, but I have no idea what a semi-formal is. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my Did you, like, literally go to school on a, like, under a rock? Yeah. Yeah. I could tell you many different uh, categories of performance, but I could not tell you what a semi-formal so is. So, what, like, what the hell know, did you do like, on a weekend? You know, I mean, there were definitely, like, events at school and, and things, like... The fact Actors that you're describing them as events, events is like very yeah. indicative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like weird. Like, we're just, it was just like all weirdo actors. So it was like parties, but like, not like you're like no real Greek life, no like sports. So it was like very like artsy. Like it felt like Brooklyn parties, not like college parties. You know. But that's not yeah. the whole school right like no not the whole school but a lot more than that i thought but that's true but like the rest of the school is like nerds really great nerds love them but like that's like computer tech people and like it just felt like completely different worlds like we sort of had our bubble of like 20 people that were in our class and we stayed with those 20 people for four years which had its upsides but has many downsides and that, like, well, we never branched out to the rest of the school. Also, for anyone listening, Carnegie Mellon's like one of the top acting schools in the country and probably in, in the world, right? Like it's it's definitely. You can brag a little bit, girl. So like it would make sense it's... to me that like you're probably working really fucking hard, and of course you're staying in that social circle because you all share that pain and that schedule and things like that. Yeah, it definitely it definitely is is one of the most particularly for like an undergraduate it it's like one of the most like rigorous programs out there. Mm. So it was it was intense, but but it got you to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know before we get there, I just want to okay. like just cuz I don't know like 
what like what made it rigorous like what makes an acting program more difficult than another one yeah i mean i think i think that the the main difference is that like what you're working on you can't really i mean a lot of different programs and majors you you pour your like heart and soul into and like your your personhood like people stay up for hours and hours and hours and you know do their work and it affects their life greatly but uh what's so crazy about an acting program is is it is a it's completely about sort of your your personhood and so we'd be in the studio you know I would spend nights in the studio like I would like not go home I would be sleeping and working on not only changing my characters, but realizing what parts of myself I need to change in order to grow as a person and have a, like a greater understanding of the human condition, which is really tough. (laughs) Um, and so it breaks a lot of people down. Like a lot of times, like what acting schools try to do, not that they try to do it consciously or, uh, hurtfully, but that like, it's about sort of breaking you down as a person so that you can start to build yourself up as somebody who can be anybody does that make sense yeah it yeah. does which is difficult and so do, strenuous. did you find that or you think that it was like your school did that more intensely than others is what made it so rigorous or was it that like you had you felt like you put more, there was more expected of you out of those kinds of like breaking yourself down, like discovering and understanding your characters, like more was expected, which made it more rigorous. I I just like, don't like know much about like acting. So yeah, no. um, Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right on, on a bunch of those different things. I think there's a pressure because our school has this reputation that, and because there's so little of us, um, that we have to like rise to a level that's that's really crazy, mm-hmm. um, but then also just straight up schedule. You know, a lot of these programs, if they're not a conservatory program, they're sort of arts programs that are uh, like arts BAs or or things where you're still t- sort of taking normal classes, uh, and then there are BFAs that are really conservatory style. That means I I never chose a class. I was handed a piece of paper that told me where to go and when every single class in the entire university. I mean, they, I woke up at 8am, I was at the studio, I was doing yoga for 30 minutes, then I was in acting class for three and a half hours, then I would take voice speech and movement until uh, like five or something like that, and go home and do it all over again, Mm -hmm. five days a week. So that like rigorous schedule is something that you don't really see in a lot of... um, programs that aren't like conservatory style where you're like you're sort of not doing anything but your major mm. got it um, that makes sense yeah sorry and it's a little like side chart, but it's very interesting i didn't know anything about it um were yeah, there no. like <laughs> not to like play on stereotypes but like were there any straight men in it yeah i think that's another thing that's really interesting is that they were all straight people um, and I think that something you find, yeah, um, something you find in a lot of really sort of prestigious, uh, acting programs is that there's actually like not a lot of queer people at all. 
And that's something I had to really struggle with a lot as a queer person that I didn't really have anybody else I could. I had some, you know, there was a a smattering um, of them. A smattering. Is that right? right, Is that the right word? I don't know. There was like a sprinkling of of them throughout. But, uh, you know, there were whole classes where zero people, zero, zero people were queer. And it's because I think it's hard for a the subconscious mind of of sort of these old um professors and who i love who gave me everything that i i have now and and the reason i feel like i've been able to have this as my career but they are still holding on to these these sort of subconscious old ideas of like what is versatile and what somebody who comes in and is sort of like openly queer and, and, you know, loud and flamboyant. And they believe that that means that they can't play like the full breadth of characters that Mm. are sort of asked of actors. And they're not even, they're not even viewing that consciously. They're not even saying that to themselves because they love queer people, you know, but subconsciously somewhere in the back of their mind, they would rather romanticize somebody who feels like a blank slate, like your average sort of quote unquote average sort of straight person that then could play a flamboyant person or, or um, sort of mold themselves quote unquote easier. Um, so yeah, so that was actually a, a funny, it's a funny that you should mention that too because coming to Tufts for the first time, I had never been around so many queer people. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> And I was in an acting program, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. And also dealing with sort of like the internalized elitism of it too, feeling like sometimes it was a, um, it was a uh, honor, you know, like me being like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm here, I'm playing with the big boys. You know, it's like, I'm... I'm lucky enough, like, I could be straight passing. I could play, you know, they're telling me I could play whatever. Oh, what an honor. And that, yeah, exactly. And then, like, that's just internalized hate that is is sort of a a product of that as well, which is... I think that that's, like, an unfortunate narrative in, like, a lot of the entertainment world, too, though. It's, like, not not only is it, like, this conversation of, oh, it's such an honor that you can play a straight person. It's, like, an honor that you should even be there it's an honor whenever you get cast for a role regardless of how much you deserve it and how much you work for it it's an honor to have whatever job that you have because so many people would kill for it and it's like there's not quote unquote there's not really anything that sets you apart blah 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 it's just like such a toxic (laughs) thread yeah absolutely absolutely isn't that like and wouldn't that be almost like a little jumping back to your point about like them wanting like blank slates wouldn't that be kind of counterintuitive in a way like wouldn't you want somebody that is able to like draw on like lots of like life experience in order to like build their characters up and make them more realistic i mean i like i've said i don't know much but that just seems like the quick and obvious like response to that yeah yeah i don't know i think again it it's not it's not a conscious um, mm-hmm. choice by a lot of people, a lot of casting directors, a lot of um, people, professors bringing students in. I don't think it's a conscious choice. Um, there's just something about it that, and something I've had to struggle with in my, my career career um, as well, 
is going in and, and feeling like uh, somewhere in the back of their mi- their minds that if they know that I'm queer, they will say, oh, there's something that's just not right. And it's it's not that they're saying my queerness isn't right, but their subconscious biases are saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, wow, didn't we, didn't think we'd get into that just with my introduction to where I went to school, but do you think that that is kind of changing now cuz I think that you said that it, you you encounter that a lot with people who are like of older generations and they're like kind of wired that way? And I'm curious like do you think that people who are coming up now are kind of not as in that mindset? Um Yes, yes, but there is something there is something that is sort of um in a weird way more sinister and we we see this a lot in a lot of different uh like social justice uh areas about like there's something really sinister about somebody who believes that they are that truly believes that they are on uh the side of of somebody who's asking for change um and although fighting against an old system or somebody who really just doesn't know anything, some, although that's difficult, sometimes that's easier to explain this is what's going on, this is, this is how thoughts and minds need to change, than trying to get to somebody who might have that subconscious bias that is denying that they have that subconscious bias because they're like, no, 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 I'm young, I know, I love the gays. I would mm. never, you know, I would never discriminate against someone like that or believe that they couldn't play that type of of role or something like that. So so yes, I think that the conversation is changing. Um but I do think that the stuff is still there. It's you know, it's I even recognize it in myself and in my peers and things like that. So um so I do think it's 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 hard to deal with even as a as a young person, even with younger casting directors, younger professors coming in. Mm-hmm. Um it's still something that is is sort of there um yeah it's also hard because you have to separate so much um performativeness performative queerness from sexual queerness and mm-hmm. what that means and because you're not allowed mean? to ask it's yeah well good question i don't i don't know it means something different <laughs> to every every person and uh for in an audition it's different from sort of diversity in casting, diversity in, in hiring for, or um, acceptance to schools in like racial issues, because that's something people wear. That's something that you can see, you know, um, and are, is always with them. And uh, queerness is interesting in that they can't ask you, you know, they can't, they can't ask, are you, are you a queer person? And, that that's where this gray line comes in this like sort of um mm. gray area where yeah it's it's sort of harder to change um a system where they can't be open about that stuff um because that's discriminatory to even yeah. ask that in an audition so it's more about um, the perception than about the reality right it's more about like yeah how they how they um walk about the world which 
again, it goes back to stereotypes and goes back to, um, you know, assuming things about people. Mm. It's difficult, but yeah, totally. Yikes. So how is that like, how has that shown up in your life and in your professional career? Have you, and what have you worked on so far? What has your professional career been like? Uh, I just got off of the inheritance on Broadway, um, which closed, uh, right as the pandemic was, had swept in. And, uh, that was, of course, like a huge, um, I mean, it's just been the greatest joy of my life to work on, on that piece. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean that, that show particularly affected my, uh, you know, it had me thinking about queerness all the time and my own queerness and the queerness of others and the things that I I don't have to deal with that other generations had to deal with. And, Mm -hmm. um, the things that I do deal with that other generations don't understand. And, um, and obviously it was a, a play on Broadway and so it was wrapped up in the entertainment industry. And so I feel like I've, I've spent a lot of time stewing over these things and, in the past, um, you know, chapter of my life. Um, and again, you know, that, that was, that's a, a weird thing as well. It's like, you know, they wanted to, um, I won't put anyone on blast, but you know, they wanted to interview us for a magazine. Um, and they wanted some queer perspectives, but they couldn't ask the cast, even though they knew they couldn't ask the cast who was queer and who was not, even after we had been cast, we all have these roles. We're, we're performing them on Broadway. But um, they had to sort of go off of rumor or like, you know, no one's trying to hide it, really. If you yeah. know, I had talked about, you know, being queer, um, but it, it was this whole system of like, this is highly irregular. We have to sort of make sure that you are queer. And um, wait, what? They have to make sure that you are queer. Well, they wanted they wanted like a queer perspective for these ma- for a magazine, um, and they wanted to talk to queer members of the cast, and uh, that put, you know, sort of some some people that were involved in the production in, in sort of a weird sticky situation where they, it they can't they still can't talk about it they still can't come up to us and say are you are you queer because that would mean giving somebody an opportunity over another person based on their sexuality. Um, so, hmm. so yeah, it's just all it's it's, reverse it's homophobia. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really uh, a sticky situation, but the show itself was, was uh, unbelievably, um, rewarding and, uh, I highly recommend anyone read it. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about, about it? what it is and all of that? And the, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Inheritance is a two part uh, play. Um, Masterpiece. Which spans over. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's very kind of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it is a six act two part play that uh, basically takes the storyline of Howard's End by E.M. Forrester and retells it uh, in the context of modern gay New York men um, 
now, today. And it's layered in that it, um, E.M. Forrester himself, who wrote the novel Howard's End, was uh, a gay man, but he was closeted his whole life. He hid uh, his gay book called Morris underneath the floorboards of his house. And when he died, his friend Christopher Isherwood um, released that book, which is a, is a queer book. And so it's about his shame. Um, and it's about the generation before us um, who dealt with the AIDS epidemic and how gay men today uh don't have a remembrance of that don't don't never went through that but still sort of feel the reverberations of that um how we grew up believing our sexuality was uh somehow tied to disease uh what how what that does to your psyche um that is sort of all the all the themes it it deals with so as somebody who is you know our age we didn't really grow up during or like right after the AIDS I mean I guess in a, in a sense in the grand scheme of things it was kind of right after the AIDS epidemic but you know the that had kind of settled and you know AIDS was a lot more under control by the time that we were like understanding what being gay or being queer is and kind of coming out ourselves um I, I mean I don't know about you you guys it, it's not something that I really heard much about until like or even learned much about until after I came out was like was hearing about the AIDS crisis um and what it did to our community so it's not something that really ever had a huge impact a direct impact on my psyche or my coming out it wasn't in people's response to my coming out um can you talk a little bit about what some of the those like reverberations of it were that you just mentioned for people like of our generation yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think for, um, at least for me, I think that uh, it had a lot to do with ties to religion. It had a lot of ties to, um, you know, I, I did a lot of prep work for The Inheritance and read a lot about the AIDS epidemic and... Um, I felt all these sort of like past demons come up in demons using even using the word demons um, <laughs> come up in in that there are all these religious scriptures that um, that were sort of touted during that time. And I read. Um, uh, oh, God, what's it called? Um, how to Survive a Plague, which is this massive book about the AIDS epidemic and um how you know a lot of people were were told that it was you know god's scourge on homosexuality and those sentences those types of things i didn't even know they were sort of in my brain when i came out so for me it it had a huge it had a huge impact on on me on my on and still does i think on my sexuality and the way that i trust people i don't um, I find that I still have a lot of trust issues with with people that I am sexually involved with because um, I sort of was told to be distrustful um, and that the only person who can keep me safe is me. Um, and yeah, so for me, the, that's where those reverberations came. They came in... Um, it came in waves of, of bringing back up my sort of like my religious upbringing. It came in waves of, um, trust issues. Um, 
it came in waves of internalized homophobia where I wanted to distance myself. Um, it still comes for a lot of people in, because we don't know about it, because we're not around it even. Um, the stigma of, of HIV and AIDS um, mm-hmm. is so prevalent in the queer community. And, mm-hmm. um, and even people who are, you know, um, untransmittable and, and stuff like that, it's... Um, I think it, it comes in sort of those tiny sort of um, maniacal ways, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I just am interested to hear, or I'd be interested to read like, you know, a book or an article or something on the different ways that like the the HIV AIDS epidemic still like uh, is affecting queer like young queer people today and kind of like if there's any anything that's like uh that kind of everybody feels or something that most of us are experiencing that we don't necessarily realize is like directly um is a direct result of the the epidemic just like i mean i'm sure you know this like, I think what you were saying about the distrust, Carson, and, like, only being able to trust yourself is one direct result that at least I see every single day is, like, the fear, the absolute fear of, like, having unprotected sex or, like, anything regarding that. Like, any conversation you have with the doctor, like, the, like, horror and fear and shock and everything. I think that that's a direct result. And I think that it's, like, a, a healthy response of, like, you know, protect yourself because you don't know anyone else and you don't know anyone else's sexual history and like their status and things like that unless you really talk about it but it's not a conversation that straight people have can you elaborate on that a little bit more i mean like having a one night stand as a gay man especially if you're like fucking hammered and you don't remember it is terrifying like if you ever the first time you ever have sex without a condom and you like the first time I ever would like drunkenly had a hookup without a condom, I like remember the next day Googling like what are the chances I got HIV? Like there's no conversation about it. I mean, I didn't really learn anything about it in health class. It's just this like fear that's embedded in the community that has never left even 60 years later or 40 years later or whatever period of time it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think, feel like I, I mean I definitely have done that search. I feel like you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a search like a that we person. all totally totally yeah. Um, and the disconnect of conversation too, you know, because especially talking to some of the older castmates, you know, I played the, a younger version of John Benjamin Hickey and Tony Goldwyn, um, who had come in, and uh, I you know talking to a lot of the older cast mates who like went through the epidemic, John, you know, John talked about his experience and, and, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these older gay men, these queer men were, were in, became engaged to women, like, you know, went back into the closet. And, uh, a lot of the things are, a lot of those people now are, are, are just sort of now coming to terms with, with talking to the younger generation. You know, we, there are generate there are years and years and years of 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 um shame no one felt good you know what's sorry i'm all over the place right now but i i remember talking to two women who came up to the stage door after um after 
part one ended, which is sort of this big sort of moment um, where we really reckon with the AIDS epidemic. And uh, they were straight women, straight older women who had gone through the epidemic and they were in tears because they were like, I didn't realize how much guilt I harbored as somebody who didn't even, I had no, they had no connection. They could completely ignore it. And even that, because they could completely ignore it and not be affected at all, they harbored so much guilt from those years. No one left those years unscathed because you either felt guilt from running away from it as gay man, you either felt guilt because people were dying around you, you may have contracted it yourself, or if you were a straight person, you ignored it. And everybody feels the weight of that. Um, and so for a long time, people didn't want to even have those conversations with the younger generations because it's scary. And their conversations, they've been running away for tens, you know, for 20 years, um, 30 years, they want, not want to talk about, you know, their queerness. So, I do, And I think that a lot, I, I've experienced this myself, that older people or older gays, when they do start to talk about it, there's a lot of anger that gets, um, that comes up, especially towards us, because I think there's, a, there's definitely a number of reasons that they have to be angry. Um, and I think it tends to come out as like a, you have no idea how good you have it. You have no idea what we've been through. You don't have the scars that we have. And, um, it's really, it can be really aggressive and, um, really scary, uh, to receive that, that kind of anger. Um, especially when you, like, I know myself, like I, I'm very interested to have those conversations to hear from people who live through the AIDS crisis. And I think it's really important to have those conversations and to hear about their experience and know our queer history. Um, but when it gets met with, you know, when people respond angrily, even when you were having a totally normal and they like consented to the conversation and were interested to talk about it, it's very much like, Oh God, (laughs) like what is like, what's going on? But it makes sense on so many different levels that they would be angry, even if it's not, they're not actually angry at me. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it's, it's, uh, you know, I think that is something that the inheritance really tried to tackle was, uh, where does that anger come from? And what can the younger generation learn from that generation? But also what can that generation learn from us is I think was a really interesting thing to talk about, especially being the youngest cast member in the show. Um, I felt myself speaking up a lot saying, uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm, thank you for, for opening my eyes in, in so many different ways. On the other hand, you know, some of the youngest people I know in, in, in the queer community um, are the most radical, the most outspoken, the most um, inspiring people for change that I've ever met. You know, the most intelligent, the most, you know, they're, they're incredibly... Um, the younger generation of queer people are are so um, well equipped and to to have the language to 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 and the platform to fight for change um, and so I think the older generation can learn learn a lot from those those uh, from that generation but also realizing that they only have that platform they only have those that language because some sort of space was opened for them mm-hmm. um, by the generation before um is is an interesting um interesting thing to to realize you know mm-hmm. for sure and it, 
what was the kind of like general demographic of the cast of the inheritance uh queerness wise well just yeah i mean was it mostly like white cis men was it did it span the the spectrum of gender and race and then a follow-up to that also is i'm curious what the general breakdown of like the audience was too Mm-mm, yeah um so uh i i want to say the cast was about 50 percent queer men uh and i want to say uh i want to say maybe the same it was probably it was probably 50 percent white um again that comes into conversations of where are those people placed as well you know um we were telling a story sort of about about these two white gay men in an older generation who one of which who became a trump supporter um who i played the younger version of and i think that's important for him to be white but again if those are sort of your main characters um where are you placing people of color i think is an important um uh factor yeah no and i'm totally not trying to like come for the play i just wanted to know like generally just because when i like start to think about different like movies and any sort of like entertainment that i see that is specifically about like the aids crisis and people dealing with that i think more often than not it tends to be told and this kind of goes for entertainment in general it's kind of told through the lens of like the white communities it was affecting those cis male communities that it was affecting pose is probably like the biggest uh and one of the few examples of um the aids crisis actually like affecting communities of color black people sex workers like i think a lot of the time when we think of the aids crisis and at least maybe this is just for me like the first community i think of is like my own community the white cis gay male community um and then i think it's important to constantly remember that you know there were other plenty of other communities that were just as heavily if not more affected by it i uh I, I this totally sounds like a call out it's not meant to be i just it, it popped into my no. mind when we were when we were talking i don't remember exactly what it was so apologies if it, if it seems like i'm coming across that way no well i i even think like what's wrong with a call out you know it's like again these are like things that are are important to it's it's um an interesting thing for me to talk about because i do res- i do um respect and and absolutely i mean it was it was I, I believe it's it's a masterpiece the the play that mm-hmm. was written that I I got to be a part of and I I get, I am so in love with it. I also want to be able to speak publicly about um and openly about um how we can continue to change representation and and stuff like that and um and uh talk about things like that. You're right, you know. Um because that is the story that's told a lot of times is um a white um a white cis person um uh telling the telling the aid story and um i think that that's um that is the inheritance um but it's important to and I, they do call that out often in the okay. the inheritance um there are there are characters who who talk about you know 
your experience is not my experience. You know, one of the main characters is a sex worker. Um, oh, amazing. Uh, but he's a, he's a young sex worker. Um, so navigating that world um, and knowing that, you know, his work would have been so much different if he lived through the crisis is um, interesting um, to, to dissect. And, um, you know, there are also characters who... You know, the, the character Tristan, who ends up standing up to sort of the older version of the character I played, um, he compares, you know, um, he, he he talks about what it's like being a black gay man in America and how it's a, how it's a completely different experience from being a white gay man in America. And, um, and that some, a lot of that responsibility falls on the white man to talk about that um, because it's dangerous for a black gay man to talk about that sometimes, you know? Um, so yeah, it's a definitely addressed, but again, uh, yeah, definitely a conversation we were having about what does this mean when we're, when we're, when really the main characters of this play are, are white people. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I, <laughs> I really was like trying to jump back. Like, why did that, even come into my mind. I mean, I think it's it's an important thing to remember anytime you're entering this type of conversation. But um, again, I I'm definitely never one to shy away from calling somebody out. So you know that's yeah, amen, uh, amen. But that totally is not where that one was coming from. I think it was more of just like a, a word vomit of thoughts that I had at one point. So I want to just make that crystal clear. I don't think there was anything that you said that was like triggering of me to be like well you know what actually we have to remember to pay attention to these communities too <laughs> so no I just no not at all there. absolutely yeah. um but yeah i mean it's it to me it remind. i don't want to say it reminds me because you know obviously i haven't seen the inheritance i haven't i haven't read the book although i i've fully just made a note to I, I didn't realize it was a book as well so I like fully made a note to like go buy the book after this <laughs> well it's it's a it's a book of the play but um right yeah you can just read the play but yeah oh, okay um but I you know when I think of kind of big time movies for example that are about the AIDS crisis you know the first one that comes to mind is the normal heart the next one for me is rent mm -hmm. and rent is a very uh, a racially diverse, gender diverse cast and sexual orientation. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut of diversity in that one. But, I mean, the big one in recent years has kind of been The Normal Heart, um, which is almost all white cis men, some of whom aren't actually gay. And so when you kind of throw that in, that you've got straight cis white men playing these characters i mean I don't, I don't know if you had any in your play but did you ever find that they're just like did you think that that's almost like an appropriate and this is a much larger conversation but like to have someone who's not queer trying to play a queer character when this is such a like you know it's, it's something that we you guys talked about is like you know we've been feeling the reverberations of the aids epidemic ever since we came out it's part of our queerness to then ask somebody who has never felt any of that or has felt like a very different experience to then play a different one. I mean, do you think that that's appropriate? 
It's a huge yeah, question and a yeah. larger issue, but you know, run no, with it as well. listen, dude, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. No, we we again, these are the conversations that are important. These yeah. this is how we change change the world is is having these conversations, um, and uh, yeah. Again, it's it's so in the entertainment industry. It is so layered. It's so difficult, especially with queerness, because uh, um, not only can you not ask, but that every person's journey is different, and you have to talk about that, and you have to talk about how much privilege they've had and how much they've actually been affected. You know, one person's coming out is completely different from another person's coming out. It, For sure. Because my coming out was easy, does that make me less viable to play a queer person going through a really traumatic coming out experience than somebody who went through a really traumatic coming out experience? That I don't know, um, but potentially, you know? And we have to talk about what that means. And, and uh, you know, we had we had one cast member who... Uh, was given a lot of flack uh, because at the time he was dating a woman while he was in this show. And he wasn't out for a lot of different reasons, but he ended up coming out as queer after the show closed during this pandemic. And how do you deal with that? You know, it's like you can't... um, you can't tell somebody what somebody's experience is and what somebody's, you know, he's, 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 uh, mulled over his queerness for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't felt comfortable talking about it for a variety of different reasons. And how, you know, like, does that make him, even though he's had these internal struggles that we all have gone through, does that make him less viable? And a lot of people would have said yes. You know, but again, you know, and even in even in the audition room, it's if somebody would have asked him that question, I don't know if he would have answered it, you know, um, that he was a queer person. So, um, and even that 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 question can't be asked. So it's it's um, it's really difficult. It has it has layers of what is your um, internal experience as a queer person, what's your external experience as a queer person, what is your performativeness as a queer person. What is your physical sexuality? Um, you know, it, 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 uh, for me, for me, I, yeah, it, it's hard. It, it completely depends on the, on the, on the part. It depends on the story being told. Um, and it depends how much, because, you know, there is, for me, there is honesty and truth in, in um in in a in a really good actor but it's how much representation we need right now as as another thing you know because um i think in in a lot of different aspects of representation and entertainment there are ebbs and flows of what is needed what is needed right now um and you just have to ask yourself, what is what is needed right now? Is that a really really incredible representation, a really incredible um, actor, because I do believe that there are there are some actors not in the queer community that can really act their asses off. Um, not to say that they always deserve that part. I would say that a lot of times I will say that they don't, and and the part should go to a, a queer actor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that has to be assessed per uh, project because if a bad rep- if 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 that could make the difference between that story being told worldwide or that the reach will be larger or that the effect will be stronger then you reassess you know um what's 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 it worth right now you know Mm -hmm. it's it's such a hard it's such a hard conversation and and one that we just have to continuously have i i when i took a queer history class in um in college um which i insisted i like ran i was like please let me take this class it like didn't really fit in my schedule but um it was really interesting to talk about um don't ask don't tell um and talking about how that is known so well as like one of the most horrible things that has ever been put into practice like don't ask don't tell that make it illegal to speak about queerness it's is just or you'll be like taken out of the army that is so horrible and i stand by that that's horrible and it was interesting to get accounts of queer men at the time when it was put into place that said, thank God I'm not going to get killed. I'm not going to get beat up, you know? And at the time they had to assess what is what, not saying it was right to put in place or that they, it wasn't taken enough, it taken away soon enough. But I think it is interesting to realize uh, at every moment in history, what is most needed right now. And I think, uh, when it was put into place, they they thought, they assumed that the safety of the people who are getting killed and beaten up because of their sexuality in the army, their safety is more important than representation in the army. Of course that is going to change. Hmm. Um, and, and ebb and flow. When we need representation, when we need to be out, when we need to um, be safe and... Uh, and so, yeah, so that's an interesting, sorry, that's a tangent, but it's an interesting, I've always sort of been like, that was horrible across the board, 100%, but for a lot of queer people, it really helped them. They said, that saved my life, you know? And then a couple years later said, this is horrible, please get rid of it. By listening to the communities that want wh- something specifically right now, that's, that's the only way we can answer these questions. If the community right then is saying, we have to make it illegal to talk about because they're asking me if I'm gay and I'm gonna get beat up if I say yes, if that's what the community wants, give the community what they want. And then later, if the community says, this is not what we want, we want to be open and proud in the army, then take it away. Let them be open and proud in the army, you know? But per project, if the community is saying, we need representation, we need queer representation, uh, no matter, you know, the acting scale, if you think, you know, if you have the best actor of all time or whatever, and it's a straight person, we don't care. We need a queer person in that role. Listen to that community. If they are saying we need a really good acted representation right now so that people really understand our story, um, and that happens to be a straight person, I say listen to that community as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting an interesting conversation because especially with the example of, you know, having straight people play gay roles, it's always I mean, I've I've never really heard uh, a great argument as to why it should happen, but it, it does bring up the point that there are positives in every situation. And it's like, I, one of the big critiques that I have heard, or I, I, yeah, but um, the conversation about 
about straight actors playing gay roles is a touchy one. Um, so it's interesting hearing your point of view as someone who's kind of actually been in the space. Whereas it's like, I think I've been tangentially near it being in the entertainment industry, but like it's, it's true. It's like, uh, first you kind of have to have the conversation to begin with about the gay roles and like, right. And yeah. Yeah. And then again, it's, it, it always, it comes back to the question. It comes back to the, the issue at hand, which is that the question cannot be asked. You know, when, when, when casting directors hire people, a lot of the times they're under the assumption because they come in and they play this role, they're a hundred percent. They're like, Oh yeah, that's a gay man. A hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent positive that this is a queer person. (laughs) And then it turns out that they're not. Um, so sometimes they're trying, you know, they're trying to cast queer people. They just literally cannot ask that question because it's illegal. Um, I certainly don't want to be asked that question when I walk into play a straight person. But again, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and and again, it it sounds like I'm in favor of straight people playing, you know, gay roles. That is absolutely not the case. And I think that um, a lot of the times we need, we, we really need more queer representation for my, you know, for literally my sake, you know, because the more representation there is out there, the more, th- the more I feel like I have a place in this industry, you know, and that like people will want what I can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Which is great, but complicated, you know. the way that like gay representation or like gay roles seem to be going is that like it's it seems like it's gotten to the point where it's the same band of like i don't know eight to ten guys who are just playing like like matt bomer for example has been playing Mm -hmm. a lot of like gay characters recently like i mean even looking at like the movie the boys in the band which like i haven't seen it i'm sure it's great and i'm like very happy it's there but i look at them and i'm like okay zachary quinto jim parsons andrew rannells matt bomer like these are kind of the same gay men who are picking up the same or like very similar gay roles or like gay roles on multiple things. And it's like, I'm happy they're there, but like they're established. Like is like how much of their like established career is allowing mm-hmm. them to take these roles. That is just like, why can't we be getting some like other people who aren't as established, but are great actors, gay men into play these gay roles and then like launch their career from there. I mean, it just seems like it's a, it's like it seems like the the entertainment industry isn't ready for that to, well totally and it's again the question is how because i how why that is the case is because they want to do what the queer community is asking for which is show us representation from real queer people mm-hmm. but they can't ask the question so the only thing they can do is only cast people they already know in their real life are queer people Mm-hmm. that people they already know is not going to be a newcomer actor who they can't ask. It's going to be the people who are in the headlines talking about their sexuality. So that's why we see this repetition because these casting directors are trying to do what the public is asking of them. But the only way they can do that is by rehiring these same out queer people. 
And again, some of these queer people don't even want to do that because then they feel as if they are being pigeonholed, pigeonholed, or that they are, yeah, they are being um, discriminated against in that they are only feeling like they can only do those sorts of roles. So it's a really Do you think that tough... that's because they want to use like people that'll draw, also draw in an audience though? Because it's like you, they could, they absolutely could put out like an open call and be like, we're, we're looking, well, I guess you can't say we're looking for queer actors, but. Yeah, you can't really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, it also is definitely that it's, you know, the, the, the poll I, I, you know, I've been, um, I'm really, you know, barren it all for you guys here, giving you all the juicy, juicy bits, but... Give um, it all to us. I did a read... <laughs> I did... I did actually a, a, the reading Zachary Quinto directed um, right at the... probably the month after the pandemic started. Um, he did a reading through Rattlestick here in New York of... virtually of um, the sequel to The Boys in the Band. Um, which I was a part of, um, which is interesting as well, because, you know, it was, it was pitched and I think everybody, everybody involved was a queer person. And in my mind, I say, how did they know, you know, like me who feels like a newcomer in some respects, I've, I've talked about my sexuality in, in the New York times. I've talked about it in, um, you know, I was on this show called Gay USA when I was in uh, uh, <laughs> when I was in the Inheritance. So it's like there, are, I definitely have been open about that in some respects. But uh, yeah, the, it even it even you know embeds into my mind saying, is that the only reason why I got this? It. Mm. I know Zachary. I had talked to him after um, after he came to see the Inheritance, but. Uh, you know why? Why didn't he cast any, anybody else in that show? You know they 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 had very they had probably better showings than I did. You know they had bigger roles. Um, why did he cast me in this reading? And then you start playing the self-deprecating mind game of I'm only wanted for my sexuality, not for my acting. Mm. You know, um, mm. which is also a different <laughs> um, beast that you sort of have to tackle. Brutal. 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 But uh, so much joy as well. <laughs> like, Absolutely. <laughs> truly, I don't mean to say like, oh, the life is of, a, of a queer actor is so hard and so, you know, blah, 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 blah. It is. And a life of a lot of actors are, are really difficult. But um, I think that that um, these conversations are being had. It's, you know, I feel so lucky to have some queer actors who I can look up to. Ben Wishaw is like my idol. Um not many people know who Ben Wishaw is, but he um, is sort of my everything. And the fact that I even had somebody like him that I can look up to um, means that I could potentially be that for somebody else. And I'm um, I'm excited for to have more of that, have more representation, have more um, role models, and have more conversation about that. Would you do oh, a film? Do I do film? Would you do film? Yeah, actually, uh, I mean, right now it feels like the only viable sort of option. Yeah, for the short term period. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's funny, I like, I came to the the city and um, the first two 
things that I got before, you know, the inheritance, um, both were film and both were playing um, homophobes. Uh, <laughs> in one in one movie, uh, I I called this dude a faggot. Um, I almost love the idea crazy. of queer people being the ones playing homophobes. It's like you know what we are gonna be mean to each other. You have done enough. Yeah. <laughs> the idea the idea was thrilling and still is now that I'm like I really did that didn't I like that was so crazy that I did that and I remember I actually posted something on my finsta the night before the audition because I was like there's no way I'm gonna get this I was like this is straight up an asshole jock who hate who is a homophobe like I was like I just am not gonna get this role so I went into the audition with that sort of vibe I was like there's no way I'm gonna get this like let's just have some fun you know and then I booked this movie. And um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting in that, like, um, the two film things I've done are actually so so different, so far away from my queerness, um, which is fascinating. She's very... While the, while the stage stuff I've done... <laughs> oh, my God. Has, has been very... It's <laughs> first, no way. So <laughs> no way. Um, okay, <laughs> so jumping back really quickly... Um, I'm curious because seeing the inheritance has kind of like helped me to work with Matt to shape the, the podcast in a way. And I'm really curious how being in the show kind of helped you to grow into your sexuality and your identity and how it kind of shaped who you are right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked, I talked a lot about, um, Weirdly, I compare it to, I talked I talk to you about how acting school sort of breaks you down in order to sort of build you back up. Mm-hmm. And I think my experience in the inheritance and my sexuality sort of felt very similar. I had a really, really tough time at the beginning of that process because I, I had never confronted my own internalized homophobia in in this capacity. I'd confronted a lot throughout my life, but not to this extent. And really where that comes from and every day having to... to be on stage and do what you know, like, came at the end of part one and having... not only being on stage, but also talking to people afterwards. You know, people would come and say... I remember so many different stories at the stage door. There was this guy who said, um, he was like, my part, he, you know, in, in tears, he was sort of shaking me. And he was like, I, my partner died in 1996. And for the first time in my life since that, since he died, I saw his face tonight. And it was like statements like that where I, I, I just was overwhelmed in such a beautiful way but such a really really difficult way mm-hmm. um i don't know how you can and hear someone say that to you i think i would i'd have a breakdown it yeah i mean i i, I walked away from that theater many 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 nights and in, in tears um uh which was difficult but it, it allowed me to sort of break down my own sexuality and, and what, what, what scars I still am holding and, and what growing I still have to do. Um, and yeah, I think it's even more difficult because I think, um, 
I, I prefer to, I, I think you guys talked about this like episode one, um, but like I prefer to call myself queer because I, I just, I, I, I don't know what life's going to throw me, you know, it's like right now I'm only interested in dating men, but uh, yeah. I feel like we're always growing and we're ever changing and there's something so beautiful about that and something that I love about, about um, the potentiality of, of queerness as this amal- amalgamous sort of um, ever-changing, ever-moving sort of thing. But there, there is also something that is really hard about that. And that's what I wrestled with at the beginning of The Inheritance is that because is my refusal to call myself gay and to have sort of the openness of a queer, queer identity, is that running away? Is that a fear? Is that, where is that born from? Is that internalized homophobia? Um, and I think a lot of the answers I reached in The Inheritance, which is such a massive, messy, you know, an amazing way, um, mix of dichotomies, through The Inheritance, I was able to sort of more ground myself in being okay with that dichotomy and knowing that probably a lot of that is born from internalized homophobia. And there is also something that feels so right and so beautiful and so open and so free um, from that label for me. Um, and those two, two things can exist at the same time. That I, it can bring me such clarity and such beauty and such joy and bring me unsuredness and unsuredness? I don't know if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncertainty. And anxiety and stuff like that. So, yeah, living in that, living in sort of the uncertainty of sexuality is is something that the inheritance sort of brought me and that we're always going to be changing and that we'll never figure it out, so. Is there some, like, big takeaway, I guess, like, on any level that you think that people our age should should get from something like the inheritance or from, you know, reading back on our you know queer history specifically you know about like the AIDS epidemic oh wow it's a huge question (laughs) it is no but it's beautiful again I love I love these questions um uh it the reason why it's difficult for me is just because I feel like the play actually really just speaks like any sentence that I say I don't think could actually uh bear the same effect or the same um yeah the same effect that the the, the play gives you when you mm-hmm. when you read it um or or see it mm-hmm. um for me it had to do sorry the question was advice again <laughs> yeah like that they could advice learn from or like play? if there's some like overall takeaway or some big takeaway it doesn't have to be like it's something that like hits on everything, but just something that you think people our age really need to to I sit th- with and understand and reason with. I feel like that's our, such a, like, a personalized question, and I think that everybody wa- like watching the play or reading the book would have a different takeaway. So Carson, can you just talk about your biggest takeaway? No, I agree. I think it is. It's supposed to be kind of a generalization, though. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who don't who don't need to hear it maybe we don't even need to hear it but if there's something that he thinks that like generally as a community or just like something that he thinks is really important that we all look into even if we've all looked into it before yeah yeah um for me again it it has to do my takeaway oh so many so many i could think of very specific parts of the play you know like end of end of part one it's about 
reckoning, really, really spending time reckoning with um, a world in which you're losing all of these beautiful, beautiful people in your life and the amount of people that you would lose. Um, hard. Uh, not advice like, oh, everyone, well, maybe it's important. Anyway, um, uh, I think again, again, uh, going back to sort of this uh, me before joining the show feeling like I I needed all these answers and I needed, I was, you know, a perfectionist and I needed, I needed the solutions. I needed the answers and I needed to be sure of things. And I, you know, um, the end of the play deals with a lot of guilt and a lot of, you know, a character. I wanted this tattoo to my body, still do. Um, you know, where one of the characters, the older me is, is sort of apologizing for the things that he, uh, has done. And, uh, he says, what do, I, what do I do? Tell tell me what to do. And the last line of the play is, you live. Um, and that's it. Um, it just says, you live. And the, the play ends. And I think that that, um, for me, was the biggest takeaway. And I think that a, a lot of queer people can can take that away, too, is that um, you, don't need to fi- you don't need to find the answers. You don't need to completely get rid of your guilt. You don't need to you, completely get rid of these... Um, these negative thoughts um, and the hardships that queerness comes with. Um, you just have to sit in in um, the sort of beauty and the joy and the um, the honor that I do believe it is to to be living in queerness, um, and that we'll we'll always learn and always um, keep learning. I said that already, but that's I think the big big takeaway. No, I love that. Where are you going to get it tattooed? <laughs> Where? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, maybe my ass. A necktie. No, um, oh, wow. What a beautiful object. little tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I actually, one of the producers um, has it tattooed sort of like on the inside of his finger. I don't know, one of his fingers. Mm. Um, and... Like I like that too, but it makes me mad because I'm like, oh, I'd just be copying him, you know? Like, oh yeah, that'd be beautiful. That would be beautiful. I, you know, if I had my way, I would have a sleeve, and I, you know, what really? I really may make it a sleeve. Oh yeah, you would get a dude. sleeve. I would love a sleeve. Oh yeah. The only reason I haven't so far is, or, or yet, is because acting. You know, there's all this pressure, especially coming out into the industry, like, fresh and baby-faced and being like, I have to be, n- no tattoos, you know, that's that will get me cast, and, like, that's not true, I think, you know? If you're right for the part, they'll, they'll, they they got money, you know, they'll cover you up or, you know, whatever. Get some foundation. Um, but you feel the pressure to, like, yeah, totally. My friend Mahala is, like, you know, she, um, she's now the lead on industry on HBO, and she was in my class, um, and she... Cool. I remember her like collecting all these tattoos Casual. throughout school and uh <laughs> yeah um and you know like she'll get a tattoo I think she has the best mind frame from tattoos too where she's like the less I sort of like think about them the more that they'll actually bring me joy because if you like expect them to sort of like bring you this inspiration every time you look at them like mm. that inspiration is not going to be there all the time yeah. you know and, like you'll end up after like years and years and years, you'll be like, oh no, it's not giving me this like high that I thought it would every time I looked at it. So she would collect all these sort of like random tattoos that are so cool 
And yeah, she's like now on HBO and she's like, listen, they'll cover him up. And they do. So yeah, now I'm, now I'm sort of in it. Now I feel like I gotta, I gotta get it. I gotta get some tattoos. Love that. That's, I love that too. I mean, tattoos, I could talk about tattoos for a while. I'm sure we all could, but I'm very much of the mindset of like, it doesn't have to be something incredibly meaningful and you're going to look at it and be like, Oh, this was super important to me like forever and ever. It's like, if you fucking like it, just get it. It's really not that big of a deal. If it's, if it's in a bad place, that is the bigger issue, but just get the fucking tattoos. My. Yeah, totally. To say. Totally. It's, it's always yeah. a bigger, it's going to be a bigger deal to everybody else. Always. That is true. Right, yeah, yeah. People say they forget about them all the time. All the time. It's like, I don't even know. All the time, yeah. Crazy. Like, sitting here right now, I'm like, how many, like, one, two, three, four. I'm like, I have five tattoos on my body, and I, like, fully forget that I have them all. Like, I'll, like, reach up to do something and, like, see that I have a tattoo on my arm, like, right here. I'll be like, oh, whoa, that's weird. Oh, that's right. That's just that. (laughs) Like whoa cool it's super <laughs> wow <Yeah. laughs> how many do you have aaron i have four now four. Oh my god if you I'm count so my lip tattoo on your wrist oh if you can't there you go <laughs> which wait count what i, I fully forget i have a lip tattoo oh my god wait i, I knew that what Everyone. a trend that wow. was i think every single person in the world should get a fucking lip tattoo <laughs> Really? You really think so? Yeah. Why is that? Nobody, I w- it was my first one, ironically, because everyone's like, that's the craziest one you could ever get. And I'm like, why? No one, literally, n- n- no one. No like, one People I've like, like th- there's no way that you'll ever know that I have a lip tattoo unless you are my dentist. <laughs> wow. Cool. Maybe that's what I, I get you live right <laughs> on my bottom lip. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm here for it. But anyway, and then it fades eventually. Just that's like not like, true. I've had mine five years now. It's still really, there. yeah. What does it say again? Yolo. It says explore. You ass. Oh, sorry. It does not say Yolo. <laughs> I've seen it like three times. Although I wish I did get something a little angstier, but it was my first one, so I was like, it has to have a good meaning. And like now, I'm like, man. Right. Right. You know, I'm like, I wish I got, like, You wish tits. it was, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But... Anyway. So cool. We are digressing. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, Carson, what is the gayest thing that you did this week? Oh, my Interpret God. as you will. You guys? Yeah. <laughs> no interpretation needed. I watched Under the Tuscan Sun twice. Twice? <laughs> um, if you guys... Yeah, listen... I had no idea. If y'all haven't seen Under the Tuscan Sun, I mean, I feel as if I have. the, the... <laughs> what? Yeah. What? What are your opinions? Oh, I think it's a lovely movie. I just like that. I've seen it once, and I like watched it with my boyfriend when we had it. This is actually very gay, but it's cute, I guess. But I w- had a night in with my boyfriend when we were in Florence, and we watched Under the Tuscan Sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah listen i have never been on the edge of my seat like that i oh that movie, my god that movie grabs you and it does not let you go in the first like <laughs> two minutes the first scene of that film 
you learn so much, it's unbelievable. It's like, oh, this is gonna be like, you know, like, we're gonna just like sit in like this woman or her life, like she moves, I don't wanna, I don't wanna spoil anything, but you like, a it's lot like, goes well, down it's really like quickly. It's 15 years old, I think it's fair to spoil it at this point. <laughs> no, I, I truly believe. I don't know if I've seen it. I think I watched it. Aaron, you've you would know if you watched Under the Tuscan Sun. If you got to do it, I've watched it. I watched it twice this week. That's really wild. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I loved it. I also think that there's a part of me that's like, um, you know, just like missing traveling, missing you know, like yeah. being able to do anything. You know, miss yeah. being like she's on that bus and then she suddenly just gets off and suddenly the movie just shifts. It's just like. Yeah, I miss being able to do stuff like that, you know, just like run amok. Yeah. So it was fulfilling yeah. a part of me like that. That's a good one. I like that. Aaron, what about you? Um, random. You just reminded me. I was talking to someone last week and they were telling me to watch the movie Uncle Frank. They said it's kind of like a new, they said it's similar to like Call Me By Your Name in a way, but I... I didn't realize I was Googling when it came out because I thought it was like just coming out, but it says the initial release was January 2020. But yeah, anyway, Lois, Lois from from The Inheritance is is in it. She plays the grandma. The in, one woman yeah. in The Inheritance. Yes, the one woman in The Inheritance. She um, was incredible. Is in. She is unbelievable tony nominated now i mean i think she was nominated before but but what she, she was nominated again for inheritance which is iconic and I oh think she's gonna get wait. it yeah hold on uh, didn't you get 11 nominations we did we got 11 tony nominations which yeah what the oh fuck God. Awesome. <laughs> thank you for reminding me <laughs> about that what that's amazing yeah congratulations it definitely Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it um definitely feels cool, especially because we, like, ended suddenly and, like, r- there's a pandemic starting oh and, it like, we never got to say goodbye. That and, story. You know, Didn't you put up a story like, that you were like, I can't believe that that was the last time I, like, took a brow on Broadway? Like, <laughs> Yeah. A hundred percent because it doesn't it didn't hit me at first, too. Like, it was like the next day. And really, it started hitting me in waves afterwards. Yeah. Um, but but yeah uh it just was it was really sudden and so um we didn't really get to say goodbye to anybody Mm -hmm. but those nominations were really great because we we got to text each other again in fact actually while i was um while i'm in this i recording this i keep on checking that my audio is recording and john benjamin hickey just texted me um who played older (laughs) me and actually was in um so i don't know what he's saying but i think it brought the cast together again i think it like made us sort of be able to talk again because we were like celebrating together and yeah. it was sort of a nice way to bring us together. Well, hopefully wow. in like two months, everything will have, we'll have a, luck- a lockdown and then we'll have everything under control and then you can have mm-hmm. your party and you can all celebrate together. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. yeah maybe. I don't know that the Tonys are being, they're being shady. They're they? like, or not shady. They're great, but they're like, um, uh, they're sort of like they said they was gonna happen fall winter and then now they're not announcing a date i think they might be waiting until they may, might be able to do it in person because broadway's being pushed back i feel like so they might just be that waiting would be more literally fun for forever. you yeah 
I think so too, yeah. It's sort of, that's actually the big regret. You know, like, I know that I'll see these people again and stuff like that. The big regret is that, like, my first show yeah. on Broadway, I can't go to the Tonys, you know? So I hope I hope they wait. I'd rather wait and be able to go in person. Totally. Anyway, sorry to take your gay moment of the week and make it about my Tony nominations. Your Tony but... nominations were my gay moment of the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think the gay, I mean, I think the gayest thing I did this week was I forced my dad to watch American Horror Story for the first time ever. I, I shouldn't say forced, oh, but I, I like talked that, about yeah. it a lot and he was like, we should just watch it. So we've watched almost the entire season seven and which one's seven again? Colt. Oh, you start with cult? He was like, which one should I watch? And I, he's like, my dad's not huge into like ghosts or anything like that. Like, it's just like mm. not, I don't think it would scare him, but I don't think it would like grip him. It wouldn't be as intriguing. So I was like, this might be a good one that like will be interesting mm, to you. Interesting. So. Got it. Hmm. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen cult. Have you seen other no. seasons? I have. Yeah. I I, I saw the first four maybe okay okay then you're fine yeah yeah one two three were like i think after one two three it's kind of like see it or don't you're not missing hotel it. with gaga and bomer was like oh ridiculous. what am i saying yeah what am i saying hotel's actually my favorite season <laughs> um 1984 was really good which was season nine uh oh, you I heard it here first my theory about season 10 is i think it's gonna be mermaids or like sirens Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. I think I saw something about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> American Horror Story, The Odyssey. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I have got to get an audition for a siren. <laughs> Come on. You'd be perfect. <laughs> oh, you, I think, hope. Uh, you think highly of yourself, don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Hair what, what, like, but like a woman siren. Like, give me, give me, give me a wig. <laughs> I'm in. Oh, my God. A... a non-gendered siren just a beautiful being okay that's actually that's yeah. actually they don't have genitals yeah. they're but fish then right I should not be playing that role well i'm fish do have genitals yeah <laughs> what was the gayest thing that you did this week <laughs> um the uh, probably um so my i'm living at home currently and my boyfriend is he came home for thanksgiving um and he has a puppy who he can't take to his parents' house because they have a large American bulldog who's very crazy and would destroy little puppy. Um, so puppy has been staying with me because our parents only live like 10 minutes from each other. And um, I have finals starting in a few days. So I've been needing my boyfriend to come and take the puppy for like an hour or two just so I can do a little bit of studying. So I've been having like shared custody, you know, handover of this puppy for the last couple of days it's been very cute <laughs> and <Wow>. very gay <laughs> my dream quite mm-hmm. i have no boyfriend and no puppy S- sad me either me i'm always making <laughs> your moments about me uh, that wasn't my that's, moment that's, we're that's, sharing this in that is moment. Your, yeah this, this is, is your our interview. moment so, carson let's yeah. get a dog <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> okay yeah i'm down i have yeah, but, a share custody pop, so. such puppy fever no carson's gonna come back to la and just stay here well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about today, but yeah, no, I know. Maybe I'll come back to New York. Come back to New York. Listen, we shall see. Um, Carson, did you have any organizations you wanted to plug? 
It's okay if you don't. Um, yes, yes. More, more than an organization. I think an organization is wrapped up in it. But I just think that um, if you'll let me stand on the soapbox, uh, I just think that everybody should spend a little bit more time trying to be more zero waste. I know that like zero waste mm. is really, right. really difficult, and I and I get that. But um, there's a lot of little companies that will help you sort of become. I, I think that on on one hand, it's one thing to be like, oh, I believe in in climate change. I support environmental issues. Um, but if you're not doing anything in your daily life to sort of change that, I think that you're, um, yeah. you're not really, it's your only ideas in your head. And, and I really support like the daily joy that I sort of get from my household has sort of, we've lived without paper towels for a year. We got these wow. things called unpaper towels, which are sort of just rags that, um, you, you drop into the, um, the hamper and it brings me joy every time I use that because it, it makes me feel like, um, I'm helping the environment and I am, you know, uh, just in our household, a year of not using paper towels, that is an enormous amount of paper that we have saved, it truly um, is. which is really cool. So I think there's blue land is a really cool organization or company that sells, um, like kitch- kitchen soap and stuff like that. Um, that is just these little like tablets um, that you that foam in a bottle. It's gonna save plastic. You save money. It's awesome. Um, yeah, compost. Everyone should be composting if you can. Um, it's kind of fun to put my little coffee grounds in a little basket. You're so Brooklyn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I know. I really am. It's really that um, is really important, yeah, though, especially right now with the pandemic, because it's like the only way that any industry right now is even working is because there's probably been like a hundred percent increase in like single use plastic and stuff. Like it's absurd. It's honestly kind of terrifying. Totally. Totally. And it's, it's uh, again, stuff that is like, it's only just ingrained in our brain. Like the money we have saved by like doing blue land or, or things that like running out to the store, buying plastic soap bottles is like only, Worse for the environment, more expensive. It, there's only downsides to it, hmm. you know. Um, like, cool. So save some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, save some money. Do it. I also think if you want to actually support an organization, um, the Coalition for Rainforest Nations is uh, my favorite environmental organization. There was a time I haven't been doing it lately, which I need to sort of get back on. But there was a time where every time I went out and bought coffee. I would like mark on my note section that I would donate like $2 to the coalition for rainforest nations. And I think that's a good way to sort of get yourself, um, continuously supporting organizations that you like. That's a cool habit. I like that. Accountability. If I had a, yeah, if I had an income, maybe I would, uh, I'd join you on that, but one day. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I'm on unemployment right now. So I, I have stopped for now. Um, but (laughs) put on pause. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's on pause for sure. It's on pause. I love it. Carson, right, Carson, where can everybody find oh. you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Carson McCauley, C-A-R-S-O-N-M-C-A-L-L-E-Y. The Carson Effect. There's only one C. Be- oh, my God. Just what is yesterday, the Carson Effect? Had it's how I will forever know nothing. Carson. <laughs> the same way he'll always know me as that's um, an Aaron. Let's just say that. Uh yeah, yeah. We um 
yeah, just yesterday I actually had um, some YouTube videos removed from a collab channel How? that I was a part of that I didn't have access to. Um, I just had to do some intense research. I had to contact everybody in the collab channel. I had to, like, go through these things. <laughs> I need to fucking yeah. do that. There are some videos I need down. <laughs> like, ASAP. <laughs> stat, dude. Stat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's it. My Instagram. That's That's how you can contact me. Or contact me. I don't know why you'd be contacting me. Well, you can if you want. <laughs> <laughs> he did say he doesn't have a boyfriend, so... Yeah, yeah, please. Accepting applications. Yes, and if you've been listening since the beginning, Raya apparently is not working, so... Hit yeah. his DMs. Carson, are you hit Jewish? DMs. You're not Jewish. I'm not... Is there a Jewish um, network? There's a new of, Jewish app like that I could network. send you the, the link to. <laughs> I can still send it to you if you want to apply. Well, I just... I feel like that's irresponsible of me. Carson, are you Jewish, Scottish? I am, Yes. Wow. How'd you know? My last name? Macaulay. Yeah, very good. He has your 23 and me results so funny. on hand. We're really good <laughs> we're at actually, our homework yeah. before we interview people at Carson. Yeah, fun fact, we're actually sixth cousins. Uh, I w- literally, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Do you know what clan you're ancestrally from? I don't. Mm. I don't. Winterfell. Right, well... Yeah, I'm You're not going to broadcast the one that allegedly I'm from, but if you find out, let me know. Oh, <laughs> All right, well, Matthew, okay, where we'll can see, everybody we'll find see. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Maddie Roar. Aaron, what about you? You can find where are me you? everywhere, Aaron Idelson, and you can find our podcast Instagram at Queering the AirPod. Period. Carson, period. Carson, thank you so much for thank this. Thank you, this Carson informative exciting exhilarating i cried laughed <laughs> you name it wait actually yeah, no thank you guys Thanks. other other one last question is there any it, there's no way to like watch the inheritance from your performance right uh if you live in New York City, uh, when things open back up, our very last performance, coincidentally, um, because we didn't know it was our last performance, but uh, is recorded for Lincoln Center. Um, so if you go to the Lincoln Center uh, Performing Arts Library, you can watch our last performance of the show, um, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, you could also, uh, I think that they're trying to do a production of it. I'm not involved. I don't think anyone in the Broadway production is involved, but uh, they are trying to mount a production of it in Los Angeles. Ooh. So um, when things get, get back up, uh, you can go see it. It might be very, very different um, because it's a completely new cast, completely new director, but um, there'll be another um, re- iteration of it. Awesome. You can see. Or just read it. I highly recommend reading it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read it, but also, do you have to just, like, sit in Lincoln Center Library and for eight hours and watch it? I believe you do. In fact, I believe you can only go once. What? Um, I think even me, I'm, like, I'm in it, and I think not, you can only see each show once. It's, like, a it's supposed to be an archive for, like, research purposes, and so, yeah, it's, like, highly regulated. Um, All right, I'm going to have to look so into that. So choose when... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might even be offering it vir- virtually right now. I don't know. We'll Who see. Knows. Ooh. That would be lovely. All right. Well, All thank right, you, Carson. Carson. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Well, sorry for talking so damn much. Never apologize. I felt like I've, you know, just stood on this soapbox, but we loved it. We we built the soapbox for you. Mm-hmm. And I pushed wow. you onto this it. This is queer community. This is helping <laughs> each other.